Hi, and welcome back to another edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your host, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shia Dweck. Another exciting week of the NFL is about to take place as we enter week 16 of the NFL season. And Shai, I guess just for starts, it's almost weird that we don't have a football game tonight. I feel like there should be football every night the way things have kind of trended over this last week. Tonight, obviously Wednesday, no football, but Shai, we have another exciting week of football to get to as we kind of get into those closing weeks of the regular season. So let's get right into it because it's game time. So we'll start with tomorrow night's game, the Thursday night game, as another really good Thursday night game. Maybe not as good as last week's Chiefs-Chargers game, but the San Francisco 49ers, really one of the hottest teams in the NFL, taking on the Tennessee Titans, a Titans team that, yes, they're 9-5, and five, but it really seems like they're going in the opposite direction compared to where the Niners are trending. I, before we kind of get started on this game, a player I really want to point out was Nick Bosa. I really feel like you know, we're talking about Miles Garrett. We're talking about TJ Watt. We really haven't talked that much about Nick Bosa. And when I say we, of course, I'm, I also mean, you know, us. But also, I feel like just nationally, Nick Bosa isn't getting the recognition he deserves. Shy, we were talking about it beforehand, and I told you he had 15 sacks this season. And that surprised you because, yes, we know the talent that Nick Bosa has, but coming off that ACL injury, he just wasn't getting the same attention he was his rookie year. Yeah, and I think part of the reason for that is he's he's lit up. He's, he's been that catalyst to light this run for the Niners. So although he may not have started as as fast as some of these other guys, some of, you know, these TJ Watts, these Miles Garretts, or even his brother Joey Bosa, He's come on uh, very strong at this second half of the season. Uh, so, I mean, although he's not getting that, that same attention now, perhaps because of that, he's still playing, you know, uh, at, at a similar level as, uh, his, his, I believe, his rookie, was it his rookie season? Or his rookie season, and the statistics actually match up just as well, if not better, compared to his rookie season. Exactly. And then we, we were thinking he might have been one of the best uh, pass rushers in the league. At least I thought he was top three for sure that season, uh, playing probably better to the likes of guys uh, like Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett. Uh, so I, I, I think uh, this is a huge uh, step for him, but also for the Niners and that defense because they're going to need that pass rush to to really continue to play uh, strong football, get after quarterback because. The reality is, Alex, that secondary has continued to be exposed as the weakness in that team. It's the and even with you know a lot of people like to put a lot of blame on Garoppolo, but as you said, the biggest weakness, the biggest cause for concern as the Niners enter a potential playoff run is that secondary. You're going to be going against teams like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. You look at these quarterbacks that I didn't even mention Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, who really have three great wide receiver ones on that team. You look at these opposing offenses that the Niners will have to go up against. They All, all these offenses have a tremendous, tremendous talent at the quarterback and wide receiver position, which makes it really easy for a suspect secondary to get exposed. 
a lot's going to have to be placed on Nick Bosa and this Niners defensive line to create havoc uh, on defense so that, you know, you're getting after the quarterback, you're making the quarterback make error, you know, error throws, errors, mental errors. The co- uh, opposing quarterbacks, uh, you, you're going to have to force them to get the ball quick because if they have any sorts of time, that secondary, as you said, has a lot of room for exposure and is a huge weakness. I'll say this, though. You look at how the Niners have played over these last few weeks, uh, really the last couple weeks against the Falcons, against the Bengals. To me, this really looks like the team that nearly won the Super Bowl two years ago. I'm not saying that from a whole season body work, they're not that team. And I think you look at some of the other talent in the NFC, I don't think this team is equipped to go through Green Bay or Tampa or the Rams or Arizona. So I don't I'm not saying the team will make the Super Bowl, but it's again, you look at these last few games and the run they've gone, this that run has really reminded me of how the 49ers looked in that magical 2019 season. I think that's that's very fair. Um it's just going to be, you know, on offense can they stay healthy? And you know, also on defense as well. But I think that's the key uh, for this team going into the postseason because I really do think um, they can potentially stand up and win a playoff game, uh, and, per- and perhaps uh, two. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think you've seen Jimmy Garoppolo play much, uh, very high level football, and th- that reminds me of again, just to your point of how they were playing that season when he was leading them to that Super Bowl run. Uh, so I think if they can continue this level of play, I, I, I have I have confidence in, in this team going forward. I think they've really... We always knew the type of team the Niners had to be if they wanted to be competitive, if they wanted to be a playoff team. And I really feel like that uh, identity that we saw in 2019 has been reestablished here in 2021. Being a physical team on offense, physical team on defense, winning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball running the ball effectively, and then off the run, incredible lethal play-action pass when you have the yards-after-the-catch weapons you do in a George Kittle, a Brandon Ayuk, and especially Debo Samuel with the Swiss Army knife capabilities that he has. So I really like the identity that the 49ers have really reestablished here in 2021. I'm going to go with the Niners here. You know, you could look at records and look at how the Titans are winning their division, we just look at the trend that these two teams are on. Titans have not played their best football coming into this game, losing to the Texans a few weeks back. I picked Pittsburgh to win this past week, and they, so it wasn't a huge surprise when I did see Tennessee lose, but still only scoring 13 points. I know the Steelers have a good defense, but that was concerning. I just don't love the streak the Titans have gone on, and it's really been the opposite of the Niners, as I mentioned how they really reestablished what this team is all about. And really right now, offensively and defensively, they're playing their best football at the be- at really the most crucial time of year. And that's what you want to see if you're a fan. You know, we've talked throughout the, this season about how the Titans' defense really isn't great. But I'm going to say that that's probably the best part of their team right now. Uh, they could not protect Ryan Tannehill at all last week against Pittsburgh. We, yes, the Steelers have a great pass rush. So do the San Francisco 49ers. So I don't really see that changing. And then there was just no explosion either. You know, 
Ryan Tannehill was they forced. Are, I will say that it does look like A.J. Brown has been out the last few weeks. It is, even though it's a short week, it is trending towards Brown potentially coming back this week. Julio Jones was also a full participant. So he could be getting healthier on that side of the ball and introduce some of that big play and explosiveness that they were lacking. With that being said, we don't know how healthy those weapons are, especially as they come into a short week and they don't get the maximum rest that they were hoping for. Exactly. Julio Jones was active uh, against Pittsburgh. He's, his snaps were very limited and did not get... I think he had maybe one target the whole the whole game. And if I'm not if I'm uh, if I'm correct, I, I believe he also left early in that game as he was also playing banged up. That's right. So I, I and I and I also look at this Tennessee team, and besides the fact that they don't have explosion, yes, they were able to move the ball on the ground, but San Francisco is a much better running defense than Pittsburgh, who is near. I think near the last in the league in terms of rush defense this season. So I I really don't see Tennessee being able to move the ball as much on the ground. And that's really what was keeping them in this game offensively, Alex. So it sounds to me like you're also picking the 49ers to win this game. Like myself, we both got the 49ers. I think we're both very concerned about where the Titans are trending, but also really optimistic about how the 49ers are playing their best football as we get closer and closer to the postseason. So, Shy, for the second week in a row, we get some Saturday football. Two really good games. We'll start with the earlier game. Cleveland Browns taking on the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, we don't know who will be active for the Browns with their COVID situation. Hopefully, Baker Mayfield will be back. Their offensive line will be at least healthier. You know, we'll, so, we'll see who's back for the Browns. For me, I don't think it matters too much. I think the Browns could be fully healthy, even if all their injuries were completely gone. I would still pick the Green Bay Packers. Definitely last week's game against the Ravens was probably too close to comfort if you're a Packers fan. You know, you were going up against a backup quarterback, and you allowed you know Baltimore to put up 30 on you. That's definitely, a, I think in my mind, a cause for concern. But this Browns offense hasn't been really potent all season. They've had some nice games here and there. But even at full strength, they've struggled to consistently put up points and you know drive up and down the field at a high and consistent level. Meanwhile, Green Bay, you know, they've really played great football all year since that week one debacle against the Saints. You know, they they play great football. They're playing great football now. Aaron Rodgers looks to be at the forefront of potential another MVP award. Divide, you know, the Browns have, have definitely a decent secondary, but I don't know if you trust anyone in that secondary to completely take away Devontae Adams. They're running the ball effectively. They're really doing everything well offensively, and really last week being, being an exception, but overall their defense has played at a high level, even without the likes of Jair Alexander and Zedarius Smith. You hit the nail on the head. The Packers look like one of the most well-rounded teams in football right now. Yes, they let the Ravens come back at home. But I think when you compare them to a Browns team that couldn't, you know, I know they were a little bit short-staffed against the Raiders, but that's a game they had to have. You know, they were at home. And to be fair, Nick Mullins did his job. I think, like, if you're a Browns 
uh, employee, you I think you had a love with Mullins did, and you still couldn't put uh, Vegas away late. Exactly, I I, I it, it's disappointing, um, but I just I think the Browns are not in the place right now, you know, talent wise. Um, even if you're dealing with Nick Mullins or a bruised up bank Baker Mayfield who just looks like his confidence isn't there either. You know, even uh, you could even say that having Nick Mullins there provide a little bit of a breath of fresh air, Alex. So I I just I don't really see how the the Browns are going to be able to keep this one you know super tight, especially since it's in Green Bay. Right, and I think the way they they have to is be able to play ball control offense, take time off the clock. But we know this Packers. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, they grab the headlines, and deservedly so. But you look at, as I said, even with no Zadarius Smith, no Jair Alexander, this is one of, if not the best, defense in the NFL. So we we know they're going to focus on Nick Chubb. They're going to focus on this running game and really make, make it, you know, an effort to, you know, stop, stop the Browns on the ground, force them to put the ball in the air, and, you know, obviously try to stop their, you know, Game their game manage or uh, clock management that Cleveland would really be. I think um, Cleveland just would be focusing on coming into this game. So I, I, I like you. I see it. I find it hard to believe that Cleveland would be able to can be consistent in this game and consistently sustain drives. Yeah, and also, I mean, probably the best way that Cleveland takes away that running game, or that rather Green Bay takes away Cleveland's running game is they jump out to an early lead by a couple of scores, you're putting Cleveland in a position where they feel pressure to, to kind of have to, throw, uh, have to throw the ball, and they can't really lean on that running game. With the offense that's been as explosive uh, in, in Green Bay, it, it, that just seems like a likely possibility at this point. So, so far, two, uh, two games that I think we both think at least can be close, especially the Thursday night game, but we are both... Going with the Packers, just like we both went with the 49ers. I'm really excited for the second Saturday game. The Indianapolis Colts taking on the Arizona Cardinals. I've been going back and forth on this game all week. I think it's truly going to be a great game, a close game. I think it's going to be a back and forth affair. A lot of signs and everything, I think statistics-wise and trends, everything you look at probably points to the Colts in this game. But there's just something telling me that I think Arizona gets it back on track. It's in Arizona. I, we can point to their bad loss to Detroit. It seems, though, you look at every team I feel like has had a bad loss. We saw, I mean, Tampa Bay just got shut out. As I mentioned earlier, the Titans lost to the Texans. The Packers got killed by the Saints early in the year. So it feels like every team is due for like this one bad loss. Over the course of the season, I think for Arizona, the time the timing of it was pretty unfortunate, knowing that it's right now at the front of people's minds as we get into these final three weeks of the regular season. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals here. As I said, I think they get back on track. I do worry about this run defense. I thought last week, I really thought I didn't think Jonathan Taylor would be erased from the game plan, but I really thought New England would be able to limit him the way they're their team is built and the way their demons had been playing knowing that Taylor was still able to run for 170 yards was really telling to me and the way the Colts won at the line of scrimmage as surprising as some of the other 
uh, outcomes were. Not necessarily the Colts being the Patriots, but for me, the way the Colts dominated the line of scrimmage against a Bill Belichick-led team may have been the most surprising thing I saw last week in the NFL. So I definitely think that that's definitely an area you have to be concerned if you're a Cardinals fan. At the same time, you know, this isn't the the Patriots definitely have holes when they get down double digits. We haven't really seen them be able to throw the ball consistently, Mac Jones, 40 times a game and be efficient. I think we've seen that from Kyler Murray. We've seen that from this Cardinals offense. I know there's no DeAndre Hopkins. This Colts secondary, it's, you know, it has played fundamentally sound, but it definitely there are some weaknesses. So I definitely think this the explosiveness and the potent Cardinals offense is something that the Colts didn't have to deal with last week. And I think that's going to really help catapult the Cardinals to getting a huge win that can really get them back on track. Sorry, I think I'm. I think I'm back to you, uh, Alex. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So I. I mean, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pick Arizona in this game as well. I think that. The Colts right now are playing the right way. They are when they're they're using utilizing their strengths um, and hiding their weaknesses. Hiding their weaknesses. I think. I mean, I think is if this game is in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, if, the, if this game is in Indianapolis, I think I'm probably leaning the other way, and I do think this game is close. Um, ultimately. It's going to be about, you know, how explosive is Arizona going to be offensively? Are we going to be able to see them return, you know, to their past selves? And, you know, is Kyler Murray going to be 100 100%? You know, is, is he going to be able to find, you know, receivers? Because DeAndre Hopkins is out, for, you know, for the remainder of this season. We were both supportive of that move. But the reality is, when Ten is on the field, I know they have other weapons, but when Ten is on the field, he's drawing double teams, and that and that and it's much makes it much harder for receivers to get open when those double teams are are distributed in different ways. Um, obviously, their run game needs to, to get better too. Then that defense just needs to stand up. But I think. Uh, I kind of have a little bit of a hunch, just like you, that things are going to go towards towards Arizona here. I, I have a feeling they'll get they'll be able to, you know, score early and be able to dictate how this game goes. Instead of because uh, Indianapolis gets up, I think they could go a very different way. We both think Arizona is going to win, but what do you think the over under is for Jonathan Taylor in terms of rushing yards? Please, that caught offensive line against the Cardinals' run defense, I think that is a mismatch that the Colts can really exploit early, and if they can grab the lead, they can really take advantage of it. I, I Exactly. I, it's almost like, I think, the team that scores first, or... I wouldn't say scores first, but that can maybe get that 10 nothing lead or 14-3 lead, that you know potential early double-digit lead can really take the ball by the horns. Exactly, and so maybe this game you want to receive the kickoff. You don't want to defer. You know that 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 could be the strategy here. Um, but the over under for Jonathan Taylor—that's a good question. 
I, I mean, I think it's very realistic. He could, I'm not saying you put the over-under on this, but I think it's realistic he can rush for over 200 in this game, especially if the Colts grab an early lead. Yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic. I, I mean, I'd probably put it at, I don't know, 150. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. That's probably around what I would go with as well. So we're, we're both going with the Cardinals, although we have high expectations for this primetime matchup. We think it's going to be a great game. Fantastic. On Saturday, yeah. NFL striking big with these... Yes, NFL striking big with these Saturday games. So, now we go Sunday slate, starting off with the New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. We don't know who's going to start a quarterback for the Giants. If I had to guess today, I think it's going to be Jake Fromm. And my view on that is, what do you have to lose? We saw what Mike Glennon is, and... I mean, he, Mike Glennon, he hasn't looked great over the course of his career. He might be playing his worst football of his career. And that's not saying, and that's saying something. <laughs> that's not, he has not played well over these last few weeks. Meanwhile, from, it was only one drive. He did move the Giants down the field, though. And I think, look, he's a young quarterback, hasn't started a game in the NFL. You're not going anywhere as a team this year. What do you have to lose? So I, if I were the Giants, I would start Jake from. Going to this game now, the Giants last few years have always struggled playing in Philadelphia. The Eagles playing really good football as of late. And something that I think the biggest difference between the Eagles and the Giants right now, I I don't think there's that big a difference, if any, between Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts. There are games where Jones looks much better than Hurts and games where Hurts looks much better than Jones. I don't think the quarterback is the biggest difference. The biggest difference is the line play of both these teams. I mean, the Giants' offensive line, you know, taking out Andrew Thomas is a complete train wreck. You look at Philly, they consistently over the years have one of the best offensive lines. And then defensive lines, the Giants lack that consistent pass rush. And although Philly might not have that premier pass rusher, it always seems like they're just a fundamentally sound group that can get after the quarterback at, you know, at a consistent rate. And I think that's the biggest things that separates these two organizations right now and why even while both these teams are rebuilding, why Philly is just having a lot more success than the Giants are. I think it really starts and ends with those defensive and offensive lines of both these respective franchises. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles playing really solid football. Giants, again, say what you want about Daniel Jones, but he does cover up for some of the Giants' other holes. He's obviously out. He's not going to play another game this season. I'm all for the Giants. See what you have in Fromm. Maybe he can be a promising backup, cheap backup on a rookie deal. Uh, so I, I think he should start. See what you have. Definitely, I think, has more promise potentially than Mike Glennon. But I think in terms of winning this game, I don't think it really matters who the Giants are starting at quarterback at home. Better offensive line, better defensive line, playing a better brand of football of late. You have to go with the Philadelphia Eagles in this one. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well uh, for really a multitude of reasons. Uh, at this point, I can't really think of a single area where the Giants, who I can point to, I think, oh, the Giants have have this. Uh, I, I just think the Eagles are playing are playing really well. Jalen Hurts looks comfortable uh, in, in command. He seems like he has a, a great grasp of you know, when to use his legs. I uh, will say he, Nick Sirianni about a few hours ago, revealed he tested positive for COVID. And, you know, it's Wednesday, so there's a very good chance he could be out this week. 
And we could see that might have an impact on Jalen Hurts having that, you know, familiar voice in his ear. He might not have that on Sunday, which I don't think, I still think the Eagles will win, but potentially he might not be playing as well as he has the last couple of weeks. That, that, that's a good point. Um, but I've also just been impressed with Jalen Hurts' general tendency to, you know, protect himself. He's been doing a much better job of sliding down, you know, not taking contact uh, unnecessarily. And I think that's important. I mean, look at guys like Josh Allen, uh, you know, who, who really just don't, you know, don't seem to be very mindful of, of their bodies in, 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 in that way. Uh, so I, I just think that's something interesting to note. But, yeah, I'm going with the Eagles uh, as well here, you know, in, in Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what Jake Fromm can do. It's an interesting storyline to watch for sure, Alex. So we're both we're both going the Eagles, mainly Giants, no Jones, and obviously Eagles. Big advantages on the offensive and defensive lines. Now let's go, Detroit Lions taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Lions, look, I said it in the first few weeks of the year they were not going to go winless. They were going to win a couple of games. Because just the competitiveness that they played against teams that talent-wise were far superior. And they started to show that. A huge win against the Cardinals. You could see how the players, they love Dan Campbell. I've you know said it time and time again. I think they have the right GM and Brad Holmes in place. Good off. I think they have the makings of a good offensive line. And it looks like they're going to they're gonna have two first-round picks this year, including a potential top three pick. I like where the Lions are trending right now. Having said that, for this matchup, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. It's in Atlanta. I, I Right now, I trust this Falcons offense a little bit more than the Lions. Both these secondaries aren't the best, although I really want to give Amani Oruwarie some credit. I feel like, you know, I, I believe he was a second-round pick a, couple, a year or two ago out of Penn State. He's really had an, an impressive year this year, and, you know, the Lions, not really known for defense, Secondary has been burnt a lot this season. Amani Oruwarie has played really well this year and has really been, you know, an under the radar name as a cornerback. He's having, as I said, a really good year. And I just think a big, you know, he's playing for the Lions, so he's not going to get a lot of national attention. But he's a guy that I think really deserves more attention than he's gotten. He's had a really solid year. And, you know, I don't know if he can blossom into a true number one corner. But I definitely think he can be a building block in that secondary, especially when you look at, you know, a disappointment like Jeffrey Akuda, who hasn't really lived up to the billing of a top three pick. Oruwaria has really stepped up and been a nice player in that Lions defense. Yeah, I mean, when you're a team that's rebuilding, you know, hitting on some of these mid-round draft picks is really important because, you know, the, the reality is if you're a solid team, a good franchise, those second and third round picks... Those need to become starters. It's nice to see that you know that's happening. You know, in, in some at some rate uh, for De- for Detroit, and I think that will ha- happen in greater rate now that they have uh, Brad Holmes as a GM, someone who is uh, familiar. I mean, he's used to not having first round picks, so now he gets first round picks. I mean, what do you think he can do with all that draft capital? Exactly. So he's used to, to producing those mid-round picks and, the, and just starting, if not star caliber players. So I I think the Lions uh, definitely are, are, in a, are, in a, are in a solid place uh, for the future. I think I'm going to go with uh, Atlanta as well here. 
Matt Ryan's playing, I think, very good football. I think it's kind of going under the radar a little bit because, well, he plays for the Falcons. And I, it, it's, 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 I'm kind of wondering at this point, is Matt, like, is Matt Ryan, you know, is he going to get tired of this? Because he still well, has Well, right it. now, the Falcons, I mean, he would have to take a massive pay cut because the Falcons can't get out of his contract. The way they struck, they restructured his contract, I think last off season. So they can't get out. They can't trade him without acquiring a huge amount of dead cap. Now, obviously, if Ryan wants to get traded, he can obviously restructure his deal to make that happen. But the Falcons can't just flat out cut or trade him uh, without, in some way, Ryan taking a pay cut just because they can't take on the dead cap. Right. Uh, I, I I'm familiar with that. I, I just think it's it's a pity for him because he's really keeping them at this point with, with his relevant, play. Somewhat relevant. Yeah, somewhat relevant. And I think if he was, you know, with a team on a contending team, that could be the difference. I think it's interesting because they're playing the Lions. With what you're saying, I almost feel like this is how we talked about Matthew Stafford before he got traded to LA. Exactly, but also Matthew Stafford's a bit younger. No, I know uh, he's that he was younger or is younger, so I definitely think the, the situations aren't exactly the same. But I did think there was somewhat of a similarity there with the way you were talking about Ryan and him potentially doing so much with so little. Exactly, so I, I and that's a good point. But yeah, I think the explode the the, the Falcons' offense is managed to be explosive, find those big plays they needed to. I, I'm taking Atlanta here, as are, are you. Um, so now we get huge, huge AFC North battle. Division on the line. Baltimore Ravens seeking revenge against the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals really put themselves on the map the last time two, these two teams played. I was very suspect of the Bengals. And then they went out to Baltimore, in Baltimore. And I'm. it was a total beatdown. I believe they won that game 41-17. to 17. Ravens seeking revenge. A lot of it depends on who plays this game. I'm going to go with the Ravens here. I think they do get the revenge. Again, a lot of it hinges on you know, Lamar Jackson playing in this game. But I think the Ravens, they go into Cincinnati. They get a big win. The way they showed resiliency, even without Lamar Jackson last week, against a tough Green Bay Packers team was really telling to me. And I think it really shows the great coaching of of John Harbaugh so I think the Ravens it's gonna be a tough game I think it's gonna be an explosive game for both sides I think we're gonna have plenty of points but I think the Ravens I think they get a win and kind of seek that revenge move into first place in their division where they can really potentially clinch it uh, as soon as next week yeah I'm gonna take the Ravens as well I think this game is so close because I really do like the Bengals right now. But I think, you know, you look at their last two performances, the Ravens fighting, you know, really, you know, playing well to keep pace of Green Bay, who really we think could be the best team in the league right now. And then the Bengals. Their offense has been a lot, especially early in games against the Niners and now Broncos. There's been a lot left to be desired. Exactly. So you, you've seen them really struggle for a couple weeks in a row. Uh, you know, I know the Broncos have been playing, you know, good football lately, but 
you see Teddy Bridgewater leave that game, and and at the at that point, you know this this game was anyone's game, and the Bengals are frankly uh, more talented. Uh, now the the Bengals did go on and beat the Broncos, but they only Broncos have a solid defense. But I would expect Cincinnati to put up more than fifteen points. They left it down to, to the wire. I mean, you know, uh, Drew Locke had a chance at it. Uh, obviously, the, the the Bengals defense was able to get a couple of sacks. They really put it away. But uh, I, I think the way these two teams are, are, are trending, the fact that Lamar Jackson's coming back here, hopefully we expect him to come back. I expect him to return with a vengeance, Alex, and really propel this Ravens offense uh, over Cincinnati's, which has, you know, hasn't been as explosive um, in the last couple of weeks. And I think Jamar Chase uh, highlights that, you know, uh, that that kind of list for explosiveness. And, and, and he, I think he's been limited these past two weeks. Well, against the Niners, he did have the two big touchdowns. But again, you know, he had the two great touchdowns. And obviously those do go on the stat sheet. But it was kind of all or nothing regarding his production, especially the last couple of weeks. So a lot of great games on this slate, but so far we've kind of been ne- you know, in lockstep in terms of agreeing on all of them. We go now to Minnesota, the Rams taking on the Vikings. I like the Rams in this one. I like their way they're I like the way they're playing. A couple of big wins. Yes, you might say that Seattle is not a great team, but with everything going on with them with COVID and then the game being moved, for them to come out and still beat the Seahawks, I do think we do need to give them credit there, even though Seattle might not be as good as they have been in years past. I'm going with the Rams to beat the Vikings. Vikings, again, we don't we never really know what to expect from them. Sometimes they, you know, shock us in the best possible way and contend and pull off the upset and in other ways in a game they should win they kind of put up a stinker I do think the Vikings though put up a pretty good fight in this one I think it's gonna be a really tight game games in Minnesota I think Minnesota even against a tough Rams defense will be able to put up points I just don't see how Minnesota can guard Cooper Cup Cooper Cup really in contention for the best year ever in NFL history for a wide receiver I'll say this about Cooper Cup. You look at the two touchdowns against the Seahawks. One was zone in which he sat in between two linebackers with no corners in the area. It was a zone coverage. Just sat right in between Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks for the easy touchdown. And you look at his second touchdown. Again, it, it it looked like a zone coverage, but the guy chasing after Cup was Jordan Brooks, a linebacker. So again... Cooper Cup having a fantastic year, but you got to put some corners on this guy if you want to have any chance of stopping him. I mean, the Seattle putting linebackers in him was a recipe for failure. I think that's I think that's absolutely right, um, and you know, hopefully, Minnesota is able to watch that film and learn from that. Because... I, I don't think even with putting a corner on him, I don't know if there's any. Cor- I'm Patrick Peterson. He's not the same guy he was in Arizona. I don't know if they have... They don't have Breland. Yeah, Breland's no longer there as well. They, I don't think Minnesota, even using their corners, I don't think they have the secondary talent, or at least cornerback talent, to guard Cooper Cup. Obviously, they're going to probably have to put 
you know, Peterson and potentially Harrison Smith on him, but even guys like Odell and Van Jefferson, we know, can stretch the field and really make it tough on opposing secondaries. Yeah, that, uh, that's, that's absolutely true. I, I think the Vikings make this game close. It's in Minnesota. I think they're, they're, they're able to move the ball, um, you know, and, and put up some points. But I think at the end of the day, that defense is not going to be strong enough to stop uh, th- th- this Rams attack on offense. And that's really led by Cooper, Cubs, who, Cooper Cup, who's having such an amazing uh, historic season, Alex. Yeah, and a really fun matchup to watch is Jalen Ramsey against Justin Jefferson. Jefferson really one of the hottest right wide receivers going on another incredible run in these last kind of stretch of games. So Rams against Jefferson really should be a great matchup. And then one more thing to add. Calvin Johnson holds the record for most receiving yards in an NFL season. His quarterback that year was Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup has a good chance to potentially break that record. His quarterback, Matthew Stafford. So I think it's also pretty impressive that, yeah, we talk about Cup's great season, talk about Calvin Johnson's historic season as well, but the common denominator is the quarterback, and that's Matthew Stafford. So I really you know, just want to think we need to give Stafford, you know, some credit there to, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that possibly the two greatest receiver seasons ever, or two of the greatest, had the same quarterback, and his name is Matthew Stafford. I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. We've seen, you know, his talent, and, you know, now that he's on a team that's 10-4. and four. So let's go now, Bill's Patriots. A few weeks ago, before these two teams faced off, I predicted that they would split. I picked the Bills to win in Buffalo, and I thought, you know, Patriots would win New England. This is another game that I've been going back and forth. I think I'm going to go with the Bills here. It's not, I don't love the pick, and by no means do I feel confident in the pick, but I'm going to go with the Bills. I do worry about uh, them winning at the point of attack. The way the Patriots won at the line of scrimmage was concerning to me if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, offensively and defensively. But if you're the Bills, you really got to study that tape against Indianapolis, the Patriots tape against Indianapolis. Because in every way the the Patriots dominated the Bills at the line of scrimmage, it was every bit as bad how the Patriots got dominated by the Colts. So the Bills, I really think they got to look at, okay, what did the Colts do? How did they run the ball so effectively? How did they win? How did they really just completely dominate the running game of the Patriots? And then obviously if you're the Bills, maybe something that's a little less concerning because you do, even with no Tredavious White, you still have talent in that secondary. You do have to watch the play action. I think Patriots going to go with a lot of hard play action, knowing they only threw the ball three times just a few weeks ago. But I think the Bills, they get some revenge. I think they're going to have more success than they did last week. Uh, I think, look, playing in New England, December game, never easy, but the conditions should at least be a little bit better than they were a few weeks in Buffalo. Yeah, you when you leave, you know, Sean McDermott with, you know, some time to prepare, and I think he's going to know, you know, but the, the, the Patriots want to run it down your throat. They, they're going to they're gonna want to punch you in the mouth. You've got to stack the box, make Mac Jones to the football. And 
you're not going to want to do it, but you got to trust that your guys can win in single coverage. And that's what this comes down to. Um, because if they beat you like that, fine. But the way that the, the Bills have been dominated this year physically, that's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to stack the box and hope that, you, that your guys, you know, I know Travis White is, is not there. He's out for the season. Uh, but you need to hope that, you know, Levi Wallace, Tron Johnson, some, some quality players there in your secondary. You know, maybe you have, you know, Micah High, Jordan Poyer come down and, 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 and guard some of these Patriot tight ends, running backs. But you, you, you basically need to win and take them coverage in the secondary and stack the bucks. And, and I think you, if you're the Bills, you can't force yourself to run the ball. You stay true to your identity. That's how. That's what's going to make you. Well, I mean, I understand that, but you can't go. I mean, sometimes they go whole games with run with handing it off four or five times. I mean, they do need to at least keep the defense honest. This is a team that I'm beginning to question. Can they run the ball? Like, is it? Effective? Well, I think teams are going to start letting them run the ball and Darren and basically say, "We bet you don't have the patience to." A lot like what teams did with the Chiefs earlier in the year. So I think teams are going to start letting them run the ball, and I think they need to show teams that they have the patience to do so. Evidently, if, if, if a team is daring you to run the ball, I agree that, yes, you would take advantage That's of that. That's what we saw with Tampa do uh, to Buffalo just a few weeks ago. But 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 if they can't or unable to take advantage of that, that's an issue. The Bills are going to need to drop back, you know, and... In, in, if they're unable to find, you know, running room, and just, you know, Josh Allen's going to have to step up and win this game for them. So are you... I'm going with the Bills. You're also going going with the Bills. You're going with the Bills Uh, as well. I'm not confident about it, just like you. Um, But I think the Bills will find find a way here. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes in with, at least with what I thought. I thought these two teams would split just a few weeks ago. So now we have the number one overall pick against the number two overall pick of this past year's draft. Jacksonville Jaguars, led by Trevor Lawrence, taking on Zach Wilson's New York Jets. I'm going to go with the Jets. I'm going to go with the Jets, and I think a lot of it has to do with last week. And I know you never want to pick games based on the previous week. But you look at Dolphins are a better team than the Jets, and the Jets hung in right with them. It was a close game late. Jets came back. After, you know, giving up a lead and the Dolphins, you know, they just won out in the end and they were the better team. But I think you do have to like the way that, you know, Wilson seemed to play, have a better game last week. The Jets played better overall. Robert Salah looks like he might not coach this week as he also tested positive for COVID. Uh, but then you go to Jackson and they played Houston, a team that at least, you know, you compare to Miami, isn't nearly as talented. And Yes, you know, Houston, maybe they scored a late touchdown to make the score look worse than it is, but it always seemed like Houston had that game right where they wanted it. So you look at kind of really last week, I just like the Jets' body work better than I did in Jacksonville games in New York. I'm going to go with the Jets. Not saying that I like Zach Wilson better than Trevor Lawrence, but based on how these two teams have fared the last few weeks, I'm going to give the slight edge to the Jets. And why wouldn't you? Uh, I'll take the Jets as well. I think, you know, at least for for a half, a better part of a half, they were outplaying Miami, the Miami Dolphins, who have played, you know, fairly good football this half of the season. So 
I, I think that Zach Wilson seems to be more and more comfortable with each snap he takes. And both are not, both quarterbacks, both him and Trevor Lawrence aren't in great situations. But I think the Jets right now just seem to be a little bit more stable uh, than the Jaguars. And obviously the whole Urban Meyer thing is going to take them a while. And I it just... It's hard for me to really take the Jaguars super seriously right now. So we're both going with the Jets and the number two overall pick against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go now. Buccaneers, Panthers. Buccaneers missing a lot of their key pieces. No Chris Godwin. He's out for the year. Fournette's probably going to be out for the regular season, as is Levante David, who I don't think people realize that is, you know, David, I think, is going to miss the rest of the regular season. With that being said, you just don't know what you're getting from the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton's starting, but you're going to see some Sam Darnold. You might have no clue what's going on at that quarterback situation. Panthers, they have talent, but they're just really lacking offensively, especially at quarterback. Yes, Buccaneers are lacking due to injury as well, but they got Tom Brady. Antonio Brown is coming back, which should help some of the void left by guys like Godwin and potentially Evans as well. Bucks also have a very good offensive line, so they still should be able to run the ball pretty well. They reunite Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. We'll see how much Bell gets in terms of workload this week, but I just think even with all their injuries, Buccaneers, they're still a better team, more talented team, and a more sound football team than the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I mean, there's... You're making it seem like we should be concerned, Alex, for this game. Well, I think I'm more concerned down the road for the Buccaneers. I think they'll be just fine to finish the regular season. We may see some of these things, especially the loss of Levante David, be a little bit more significant as we get into the postseason. Absolutely, Alex. David might come back in the postseason, but even if he does, we don't know how healthy he will be if he does return in time. Yeah, I think that's the most significant loss. The Panthers, yeah, I, I really don't know what we're getting from them. You know, we, we, there was a NFL meme of Cam Newton throwing the ball like three feet behind Robbie Anderson on a screen pass and him just getting, you know, destroyed, uh, just hit really hard, uh, <laughs> not even ca- being able to catch that pass. I think that kind of represents where the Panthers are at right now. They're going behind the line of scrimmage instead of forward. Right. right. So, we're, so both, we're both going with the Bucks to, you know, handle the Panthers. So another game that I don't think will be, I don't think it'll be very competitive. Davis Mills, he had a good game last week. That was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now he's going against the Los Angeles Raiders, or Los Angeles Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers. I think Herbert's going to have a field day. Uh, you know, you look at tough loss against the Chiefs on Thursday night a week ago. Yet about almost a week and a half to prepare for this game. I really like how this Chargers offense is progressing. They're at full strength now with Keenan Allen back in the fold. You like to see the immediate impact he made last week coming off the COVID list. Eckler, we they do have some COVID problems. I, th- I believe Joey Bosa may have gone on the COVID list. Eckler was reported he was going on the COVID list, then he wasn't. So still some uncertainty there. But he's not even at full strength. The Chargers are just a way more talented team than the Texans. And the last couple weeks, even though the record might always reflect that, especially offensively, they're playing up to their talent. 
That's right. I mean, the Chargers looked like they're really coming to their own offensively. You said it. Uh, I, I don't have that much to add, Alex. I, I think this should be a pretty uh, easy game for, for, for the Chargers to win. So, we're, we're both going with the Chargers over Houston. Bears taking on the Seahawks. I feel like this game wants to do with draft positioning. For the first time in Russell Wilson's career, he will have a below 500 record, which, hey, props to him. It's been on, what, a decade now, and this is his first sub-500 record. So definitely not a, not a bad career so far for Russell Wilson. I think the Seahawks get a win, though. I think Chicago, you look at they last or two nights ago against Minnesota, they just seemed dysfunctional. I think a lot's catching up to Matt Nagy. I think he might know his time is running out. We'll see about their GM, Ryan Pace. It could be, from a front office and coaching standpoint, a total house cleaning in Chicago. I like, you know, some signs have pointed upward for Justin Fields. I think he has a lot of un- unlocked talent still inside of him. And I do see some signs of a potential uh, with Fields. So I definitely think he can be the guy for Chicago. But he's still developing. Bears have a lot of holes on this roster, a lot of holes in that organization. It's in it's in Seattle. Even with Seattle just having a five and nine record, that's still a tough place to play, especially for a young rookie. I like the Seahawks to get a win. Uh, maybe not a great year for the Seahawks, but I do think they get you know another win down the stretch here. I feel bad that we keep agreeing, but. <laughs> There are a lot of good. Ga- I thought with so many good games this week, I thought we would surely disagree on at least one of them. Well, it's not going to be this one. I the the, the Bears are, are are a little bit uh, a little bit unhinged. I don't I don't really know what uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna really see from them. I think Justin Fields uh, can really be the guy, but his play is not uh, at at a consistent point. You, he, again, he has some throws. You're like, that's an NFL throw. But it's some, a lot of times you're kind of left wondering. I'm going to take the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, um, starting to, he's playing better. He's playing well. This, this team around him is not, not really not good. The offensive line isn't great. We saw how that defense was exposed by the Rams, albeit, but exposed nonetheless. But I'm going to take Russell Wilson to uh, outplay Justin Fields as both quarterbacks are not in ideal situations. Yeah, Lockett should be coming back from Seattle, which will also add a deep threat. We'll see if um, Chicago gets some of its secondary back. Although there were a couple of you know, youngsters in that bare secondary thrusted into an emergency situation, and they did actually perform fairly well. Now we go, Shy. Your Steelers' big game against the Kansas City Chiefs. We don't really know who's playing for the Chiefs. We know Harrison Butker's out. Kelsey, Hill, they're both on COVID IR. I'm still going to go with the Chiefs here, mainly because I think the Chiefs just can put up enough points to knock off the Steelers, especially with the way the Chiefs' defense has been playing. Chiefs' defense really playing like a top defense this year, playing incredible football. And even in Pittsburgh's wins, you know, example A, last week against Tennessee, they're just not putting up that many points, and they're only sustaining a couple drives. It's really just been capitalizing on short fields off of turnovers. 
Yeah, and also four Steelers went on the COVID list, uh, including Devin Bush. So, ho- so hopefully that is uh, contained for both sides. There aren't, there isn't a larger outbreak. Yeah, you mentioned it. Pittsburgh was given basically given the ball. Um, they did their defensive force of turnovers, but inside, you know, Titans territory last. And even week, then, they couldn't. They couldn't always convert into touchdowns. They were mainly going, you know, gaining five yards. They were mainly getting five yards and kicking field goals. Exactly. They, I mean, they went. They went. I think on those, they went four for four on field goals. But that's not what you want. You need to be able to capitalize, especially when you're playing against a team like Kansas City. So I get that they don't have all their explosive weapons here, but. Pittsburgh can maybe keep it close defensively, um, but they're not going to be able to put up enough points to really win. The Steelers' offense is really painful to watch right now, and the Chiefs are going to run away with this if they really just do one thing. Run the ball. Steelers cannot stop the run. Yeah, Steelers really might have the worst run defense in the NFL right now. Uh, you also look at the Chiefs. They still have some decent weapons, Hardman, Pringle, and also Melvin Ingram defensively, revenge game, playing pretty well since the Chiefs acquired him just a couple of months ago. So we're both going with the Chiefs, even if they don't have many of their weapons. And again, at least I'm picking the Chiefs mainly on the, on the back of their defense because it has been such a pleasant surprise for that organization. Now let's go. Broncos, Raiders, Drew Locke, it looks like, will be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. I like the Raiders in this one. It's in Las Vegas, you know, in the Dome, which typically favors offense, at least when you, especially when you consider Denver's strength, at least in my mind, is their defense. Derek Carr, it wasn't always pretty last week against Cleveland, but he got the job done. Big game-winning drive to at least keep the Raiders' playoff hopes alive for another week. I think they, you know, stave off elimination for at least one more week here, get a big division win against the Broncos, and at least put one more team behind them in the standings. I'll take the Broncos. I'll disagree there we with go. you. We finally have a disagreement. Yeah. Um, the Really, the biggest thing for me uh, is the fact that Drew Locke is, not, is playing. That's making me a little bit hesitant. But I think, you know, he showed... Uh, some signs yesterday. He was able to make some routine throws. Um, and and, and he could still move this offense. The Broncos were able to run the ball fairly well against the Bengals, who one of the better rushing defenses in the league. And you look at, you know, the Raiders' performance against a short-handed Browns team, in my opinion, was just subpar. I know they were on the road, but I, I think uh, how much better are you going to at coming back home against a better defense uh, in Denver that really limited Cincinnati's offense, which has shown the capability of being very good, very explosive this year. So I know they're, they're technically playing a backup quarterback, uh, Denver is, but I still like them to keep this game close, limit the amount of points uh, Derek Carr can put up. So I'll take the Broncos here. Our first disagreement of the week. Sunday night game, NFC East, Washington taking on the Dallas Cowboys. I like the Cowboys here. I do think Taylor Heineke plays in this game, if not Kyle Allen. So I do think they get one of their two quarterbacks back for this one. I just, I really like this Dallas defense and the way they've been playing. I think they're, they've been very opportunistic. I think they're going to create multiple turnovers. You look at Washington likes to play ball control offense. And I just think Dallas has done a really good job 
in you know preventing teams from doing that this year. I know offensively they haven't been the best, especially the last few games. They have they've definitely hit a bit of a skid, but I definitely think that as Dallas continues to get turnovers, I think this offense is going to slowly but surely turn it around. They have too much talent not to. And you look at even with Washington getting some of its key defensive players back, Philly still still ran for well over 200 yards. Pollard is looks like he'll be even healthier this week. Played a little last week. Cowboys obviously a good offensive line. I think they'll be able be able to have some success in the run game, which will set up the play action for these great great wide receivers and obviously Dak Prescott kind of running the show as well. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna go with Dallas as well. But I think you know the key point for uh, the Cowboys getting this back on track and really uh, returning to full dominance is that offensive line. They need to get healthy again. Ty- Tyron Smith is out. Um, right now, which is important to note. I just, and I think it kind of seems like without him, you know, this offensive line seems to have really struggled. Uh, We've also seen that in the past, too, in previous seasons. Um, They played okay. I mean, I definitely think they need to get Tyron Smith back, but when he's been there, they've had a solid offensive line. I will say about Washington, Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat both came off the COVID list, like, right before the Eagles game. So it could also be they weren't completely themselves, which is also a big reason why the Eagles got the run game going. So another week of full participation practice could also really benefit them, and they could be back to them to their old selves as well in this game. Even then, I think Washington's pass rush hasn't... It has, hasn't lived up to par, even before the Chase Young injury. Exactly. So I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. Uh, being a division opponent, I think Washington kind of knows it's all but over now and it's going to take a lot of a lot of fight to keep I, it's going to take more it's going to take them winning out and they're going to need some help too it looks like exactly especially when you look at you know right now they're losing some of the tiebreakers with the teams that are ahead of them monday night game a huge monday night game miami dolphins still in the wild card race at seven and seven taking them on the new orleans saints who right now if the season ended today they would not be in that seven seed at seven and seven, but they're tied with the Vikings and Philly, and now they do lose the tiebreaker to Philly, so they will need some help. But you do look at they have a definitely a very winnable schedule. The Saints do playing the Dolphins this week, then the Panthers and Falcons. So Saints definitely right in the thick of it. I think they get the win here. Dolphins playing really good football, but this game's in New Orleans. I think this the dome will be rocking. They play better in that dome. And you look at, yes, Miami got the win, but they're playing a Jets team that has you know not played its best football this year, obviously, and they definitely did struggle there. So I like the Saints here at home in the Dome, improved to above 500. And I think if the Saints can squeak into the playoffs, Sean Payne would have my vote for Coach of the Year. Look, if you can shut out Tom Brady, you got to be able to shut out Tua. Well, I'll say that, I mean, Sean Payne wasn't there for that, but I no, I do agree with you there. I, I think this is basically like a playoff game for New Orleans. Uh, and I think every game has got to be. I mean, you're locked in with a couple of teams. I think Philadelphia's got a really easy schedule as well. And you're essentially hoping that they, you know, lose uh, to either the Giants, to, to, to Washington later. They do face Dallas. And depending, if Dallas does have something to play for, Dallas will be playing at Stars, which could be a tough game. Right. So... You, the, the Saints need this game, and I think they get it. 
So that's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. Another exciting week, you know, starting tomorrow. So we'll see you next week on NFL Game Time Podcast.